I'm so interested and I always have been about building something from nothing. And yes, that's a product. Yes, that's a, that's a company. Yes, that's a business, but that's a team. That's a culture. That is a group of people that did not know each other before working together in stride with each other to create something that didn't exist. If at the end of the day, the people around you, your kids, your family, your friends, absolutely your team, if they know your intention and that your heart's in the right place, I think that is that's the big, 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 big first step. This trust, right? That's, that's trust. We, we talked a lot about trust and how that's, that's the foundation of relationship, is being open with each other, being real with each other, being authentic with each other. And that's, humans crave that. Human, that's, that's connection, that's relationship. And somehow, when we think about brands, that's not the path that so often we go, we go to, we, that we pursue. Welcome to the Improvement Nerds Podcast, where we host conversations about the things that nerd us out with one goal in mind, sharing best practices and sharing techniques and tools that allow us to make lasting change. In each episode, we'll feature a different idea and hopefully through that episode, give you a set of new tools, new skills, and new thinking that'll allow you to change how you do your work, how you lead others, and how you show up in your life. We're so excited that you've chosen to nerd out with us. We hope that these episodes are exactly the things that you need to hear in order to get started in making the improvements that you want to see happen in the world. If these episodes speak to you, please subscribe to our podcast, like what we're doing, and leave a comment. And those brands that seek first to connect. I'm not saying seek only to connect because then there is no business, (laughs) but those that seek first to establish a real authentic, trustworthy, real human level connection with their audience. And they know you and they, they understand what makes you tick and, and they're serving you. Those are the brands that earn your conversion and that earn your loyalty and earn your repeat business. Margaret Mead said it best when she shared that one should never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, that it was the only thing that ever had. I couldn't agree more. Let's get busy, Improvement Nerds. we got a lot of work to do. Hey, Improvement Nerds. This is Tom, and back with another episode of the Improvement Nerds podcast. Very excited to be welcoming a special guest, Lindsay Chepkema, who is joining me today and going to be nerding out with me on a topic that I think is really important for improvement nerds to know about. So as you've heard in other episodes, specifically the one that I had with Alex Perry, when we talked about change, she asked that question about what change has ever happened without a good, robust communication surrounding it. And I think that was so true. And I think in some ways that's pretty daunting because as a change agent, as someone that's facilitating organizations through change, you know, communicating and connecting and bringing people together is quite a challenge. So, um, you know, I did some thinking on that and I started to look for individuals that I thought were doing it really, really well through a variety of different platforms. And that led me to Lindsay. So initially I saw a handful of the videos that she was posting online and there was a key theme there. Almost everything she was posting, um, she had a message around you in, in commu- as a communicator or you as a marketer, your first priority needs to be making a connection. And it was like, I need to talk to this person. I, I need to get to know him. I need to bring him onto the show. So I reached out to her and she's a lovely person. I think you guys are going to enjoy getting to meet her. Um, so here she is. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a lovely introduction. It's, I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Great. So I know we got a lot of nerding out to do, um, but in our planning session, you and I were comparing notes on some of the things that um, you've been up to, and I shared some of the things that I've been up to, and we have quite a few things in common. So I want to call out one of those things, which is your journey to start Casted. Um, you recently had, and my 
uh, anniversary of being on my own kind of happened like two weeks before you celebrated yours. So I saw <laughs> that, you know, you're, uh, you have an entrepreneurial spirit, you w- worked within an organization and somewhere along the way, got motivated to go out on your own and work with a great team of people to start a company called Casted. So tell me just quickly about Casted and um, some of those things that you would say were bright spots or maybe huge learning points in your all's first year. Yeah, definitely. So um, yeah, Casted, we, we just celebrated our first birthday, uh, April 29th, um, which feels like it was just yesterday, but time just flies <laughs> these days. Um, and really, we, we're the, the first and only marketing platform that's built around exactly what we're doing, having a great conversation and then spinning, um, yes, a podcast, but additional content from that conversation, right? So it's starting with a conversation and, and really making that the foundation of your marketing strategy. But um, kind of to answer your question about kind of big learnings and big changes over the last year, um, I think for me personally, I went from marketing leader to CEO um, and, and co-founder. And in many ways, you know, I'm still me and I'm still, I'm still marketing, marketing to marketers, right? Um, and I'm still extremely passionate about what I'm doing. And so none of that has changed. And, and if anything, I've just doubled down on what I'm most passionate about. And I get to do that all day, every day. But on the other hand, you know, my day-to-day is, is completely different. So, um, that's been, that's been a big change for me. Um, and I've also, as you, as you said, I've gotten to really focus my energy on what I see as yes, as a marketer, 15 years in marketing, but also as a human and as a consumer, um, like you said, that the, the what we should all be doing and what really sets apart the great communicators, the great brands, the great speakers is that they, they seek first not to persuade you or to get you to do or, or be or believe something, but to connect with you. Um, and so that's a big part of our message at Casted and in my message as Lindsay. And um, yeah, that's, that's where we are. You know, I think it's pretty cool to now that I'm out and I'm in this, um, wilderness. So I love Brené Brown books. Like they Mm -hmm. writes, I'll just gobble up. So in the book, Braving the Wilderness, she talks about the journey of going from the structured relationship of working for, uh, organization to being on your own. And she said in, in large part, it's like you're leaving, um, civilization and going out into, uh, uncharted wilderness and it's scary but it's also exciting at the same time and she said as you get further and further from your comfort zone and what you were used to you will see that there are more and more people out here than you think there was um, and you know coming out and being part of that group now I'm meeting tons of individuals just like yourself that you know are forming a business and leading a business and doing it in a way that it um, in some ways is an extension of, the, of themselves and their values. And, you know, you just, in all the conversations I've had with you, you have, you know, just a great energy um, and also this somewhat element of altruism to, to just serve people. So I'm assuming those things are true then for Casted is that it's a service oriented organization and, you know, the, the attitude that everyone has, the culture there is very positive, I'm sure. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of fun that as an entrepreneur, you get to, you get to determine those things and you get to create those things. Are, are you having a lot of fun kind of putting your fingerprints on your organization's culture? Tell me a little bit about how oh that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so much fun. So much fun. I mean, people people ask me, you know, when I, I see them, especially over the last year, how's it going? I'm like, gosh, how's that, what's it like? And I'm like, it is so much fun. It's hard. It's, it's a lot of hard work. It is, it is soul work. I mean, it is down to the bone in, in good ways and, and challenging ways, but it's, it's amazing. Um, and yeah, it, it is, it's, it is incredible to, um, to put your fingerprints all over something. When I got started with this and I, and I was talking with, um, in particular with Scott, Scott, Dorsey at, at High Alpha. He's the one that I was working with on, on getting this thing started. And when I was telling him, he was like, you know what, 
why are you interested in doing this? And, and I was like, you know, I just kept coming back to, I, I'm so interested and I always have been about building something from nothing. And yes, that's a product. Yes, that's a, that's a company. Yes, that's a business, but that's a team. That's a culture. That is a group of people that did not know each other before working together in stride with each other to create something that didn't exist. And a customer base that didn't exist. And um, yeah, it, it, that is near and dear to me. That is important to me, but it's it's important to this team. And um, the one thing that has been a non-negotiable for me from day one, and it, it was in the first conversation I had with my co-founders, Adam and Zachary, um, and it has been a common thread in every single hire we've made since then. And we're, we're up to, depending on when this airs, 12 or 14 people on the team. Um, it's been passion. And it's, it's intangible. You can't measure it. You can't really put your finger on it, but you know, when you see it and it's, it's that passion, it's that fire and it's that authentic, um, desire to create and to build and to do this thing and to, to do it together. That really is at the core of casted and it's at my core, but it's not about me. It's, it's that it's a common element in each person on this team. And therefore it's, it's foundational to casted and that makes it even on the hardest days or the most exhausting days that's that makes it so 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 exciting and just so um thrilling to to be doing this thing yeah it's somewhat contagious because it's not on a certain individual producer to show up and have all the energy or all the answers because has a has a ceo has the person at the helm of it all that could be a pretty heavy weight to bear to, to think I've got to control all of this to, you know, keep this thing going or to grow this. And, you know, some organizations become stifled because of mm-hmm. that, that limit limiting belief. And I think what you're saying is, you know, w- through working through others, we're able to achieve a lot more. Oh, th- thanks for sharing uh, your your journey with Casted with us, and you know I was ex- excited to meet someone else who was kind of at the same point in their career as I was. So we were able to compare notes on that. So professionally, we had a lot in common, and uh, personally, we have a lot in common. And um, I learned that you and your husband have, uh, I think it's three kids, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, three three boys three boys and um there's twins in the mix there are yeah yep i have a 9 year old and two 6 year olds almost 7 almost 7 mhm and i'm sure um you when you heard the news that you were welcoming to you might be able to recount the saying of oh twice the blessing <laughs> Yes. And I I can definitely tell you, I mean, now, absolutely. I mean, so we had a, when I found out we were having twins, let's see, we are, our oldest was still one because they're not quite two and a half years. Wait, no, just over two and a half years apart, right around two and a half years. Um, And so we, they're very close together with three. There was a a moment in time that we had three under three. And um, so that, was a crazy time. I don't remember much of it because I think I've blacked it out or just, you know, was in some weird animalistic survival mode at the time. But now, yeah, now it's, it's not even double, but triple the blessing. I mean, they're, they're so close together and they, they love each other and they, they fight because they're brothers. But, um, but especially with all of the time that we've been spending at home lately, they've, they've had playmates, which has been pretty great. <laughs> so, but yeah, that man, that first, whoo, that first year was, uh, was a doozy. Yeah. So here, same kind of situation. I think Carolyn and I were like two years behind your guys' journey. So same, same kind of setup, except our oldest just turned seven. And, you know, our, our twins, I remember the same thing, people saying, you know, twice the blessing. And man, I just wanted to like, (laughs) they slammed at that point, because it was like, when they were little, it was constant go, go, go until their personalities developed and they got a little bit of independence, mm-hmm. you know, t- sharing about, about our three boys has been, you know, I, family is extremely important to me. So when I teach and I do public speaking, I always talk about them mm-hmm. and 
the world of improvement and I'm trying to help organizations, you know, achieve their goals and strive for excellence. I always bring forward the idea that improvement is a team sport and that people who work together can do more than any one person ever could alone. And I share the story about when our twins, they were about 18 months old and uh, our oldest was just learning to talk, but he wasn't an effective communicator. So our twins got into some trouble and, um, you know, the oldest one was trying to tell us what, what they were up to and we couldn't understand what he was saying. And eventually it came out crystal clear that we needed to come see this, whatever was going on in the living room. And as soon as he said that, no sooner did he get those out of his mouth that one of the twins came running into our bedroom and threw a handful of potting soil at our oldest and it splattered all over Carolyn and I's bed and all over the room. And then that twin left the room and the next one came in with a bigger handful. And so we get up and we're like, what is going on? And we walk out there and the twins have managed to carry like a 40 pound bag of dirt in from the garage, open it and completely destroy our living room with an epic mud fight. And (laughs) so we have pictures of this. So I always put them in my slide decks too. A Carolyn just kind of, this is where love serves us is she just looked at me and through the peace sign, grabbed her car keys and slid on her shoes and got in the car and left. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is some self-awareness right there. <laughs> wow. Pull up. I'm, I'm going to beat these children. I need to leave. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, it, we just weren't prepared for the creativity um, and the capabilities that two of them could have working together. And mm-hmm. I, you know, that when I tell that story, I'm encouraging people that like you find a partner in crime. It is so much more fun and you're going to be able to do a lot more when you work and collaborate with others. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I'm sure you and your husband have seen what the two, when the twins decide to work together, what they can do. Oh, Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's all three of them. I mean, they'll, they'll tag team all together. And usually I got to say, usually it's for good and they, they figure out things to do, but they, um, yeah, it's, they challenge me daily. And I think even more so they, they have for me as a, you know, super, you know, you name the personality test. I will always be the most like competitive achiever, you know, D get things done you know, workaholic person. And, um, they have taught me that, you know, none of that matters and yet it all matters. Right. And so perspective, perspective and boundaries and, um, and priorities has been what I've learned most from them. Um, and, and, in running a, a company, I mean, it's it's incredible what kind of superpowers you realize you have from from being a parent for sure, but I think also from having twins, from having multiples. It's like I, I was actually literally having a conversation with someone the other day, yesterday, um, who was also she was a twin mom, and I was like, you know, I just kind of feel like if I can do that, I really can do anything. Like I, I literally think. <laughs> If I, if I could make it through that first year, um, like you and I did with, with a single and then, and then twins, I'm like, you know, I, this, this startup thing, um, I think I can do this. I think, uh, this is gonna be okay. Definitely gives you a little bump of confidence and Carolyn and I were getting ready to adopt, um, a four-legged member of the family. So like if, if science can guarantee us, we'd have a little girl, like we would definitely consider growing our family and adding another child but odds are it would be a fourth boy and like this house the town of Westfield could not (laughs) just would not survive just wouldn't make it so uh in service to society we're gonna get a a dog and my parents are like "Are, are you crazy I'm like how hard can it be like look at look at these three jokers like we've raised them they know how to ride bikes they know how to swim um, you know, like they brush their teeth every night before they go to bed, like bring it on world. Like, 
<laughs> this is all winning. <laughs> we are winning at life. Yes. So just had to bring those two things out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's how you and I connected. And it, it's obvious that, you know, family is important to you. And I'm sure that carries over into the way you lead the people you're responsible for at Casted. Without a doubt, I'm, I'm sure that those individuals, you're constantly encouraging them to be more present in their child's lives. And, you know, that's, has, has an employer having an attitude like that is going to, um, set in place things that you'll never measure, but you know, will always be important and make it, make a difference, not just for the people who you gave, uh, employment to, but to the kids that that person was responsible for shepherding and stewarding and, and bringing up as a contributor to society and just a kid, let, letting them be a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, you'd, you'd certainly have to ask the team, but um, for me, I mean, we have, we have parents, we have non-parents, we have, you know, um, fur babies, we have people with plants, like everyone's lives are, are very, very different. And, um, you know, regardless of what home looks like, um, if you are home, you should be home. And, and that's, that's why I love, you know, kind of going back to what I said before about passion, because regardless of what's at, what's at home for you, whether that's, you know, projects around the house, whether that's cooking, whether that's kids, whether that's animals, my, one of my co-founders, Zachary lives on a farm. So he has a lot of animals. Um, you know, regardless of what that is, you bring your passion at work and that will, you know, at work, I've been using air quotes with my hands here is, is different for everybody, especially right now where everybody's, you know, working from home and, um, we, our team is as well. People are working different hours and people are working at different times and at different paces. And if you have that passion and that just intrinsic motivation and that love for, what you're doing, that understanding for why you're doing it, that ability to channel your unique talents and skills and abilities to what you're doing. Um, you need to be able to do that, but then also turn it off and, and walk away. And yeah, maybe those wheels keep turning. Maybe they completely shut off and go do whatever home is. Um, and that's so important. That is so important. Um, for, for me, again, I'm super duper achiever, high D, high all the things. And I, I will run so hard until I am beyond burned out. And so, you know, I've learned again from, from my kids, from me, for me, my kids were the, the wake up call that was like, you know, you have to stop before you're burned out. Because like you said, your kids benefit from you being fully present when you're not you know, burned out. Um, and that's, that's different for everybody. And so I think that's, that's so important is being understanding of each other's differences, being really, really respectful of each other's boundaries, encouraging as leaders, we, we need to not only respect each other's boundaries, but encourage those who are on our teams and in our companies to develop boundaries. Um, some people are naturally good at it. Others are, you know, achievers and pleasers and want to do anything to, you know, make those around them, especially those who are, you know, in leadership positions, um, happy and, and satisfied with their work. So they just keep going. And it's like, look, you know, just, just because I'm asking this or I'm doing this, or I'm leading by this example, like you need to set up your own boundaries and, 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 show them what that looks like and lead by example and, and demonstrate what that means, um, in a way that also leads to success and to, um, positive outcomes. Right. So that's, I think that's a huge, um, responsibility of, of leaders to, to demonstrate and encourage boundaries. And know their role has a role model. Mm -hmm. I mean, so much, of what manifests within an organization is simply observing and emulating what they see leaders doing. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing. So if leaders are saying one thing and they're doing another that contradicts it, you know, there's um, a double standard. Whereas Mm -hmm. if it's reinforced, it's just going to make more of a robust and rich culture. And I think, you know, with, with an episode 
uh, or a podcast that's called Improvement Nerds. Of course, leadership is a focal point of almost everything we're going to talk about because, you know, the leaders, they're oftentimes the catalyst for the change, like shaping the vision and painting the picture for where they want to go. But most of the times they don't have the how or the what in their heads. That that often comes through the collaboration and everyone leaning in and sharing different approaches to get to that that destination and you know sharing in the excitement about potentially getting there and then challenging each other with the multiple ways in which you could get there and you know just kind of hearing what you were saying is you know you realize in your role as a leader that people are watching you and the way you act and behave and the things you do day in and day out become the habits of your own organization and you you just have to have that awareness so I think that's one part of leadership that oftentimes people overlook is, well, oh, leadership is decisiveness and just telling people what to do and being accountable to these results. Well, no, like it's being accountable to your people and giving them good examples that they can lead their lives by. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and knowing that intention and reception are quite often, if not usually, two different things, like what you intend to communicate and what is received from your communication is quite often two different things. Like what I say, first of all, is quite often not what is received. What is what I say and what I mean is not often what is heard, right? Because of the context or the context of the of the ears that heard it and you know the, what they bring to that conversation or that communication instance. And then also beyond what I say, so exactly what you said, what I, what I do, what all of us, what any one of us does, um, the, the way we do it, the, um, the body language, the, um, the lack of communication, all of those things tell a story every single minute of every single day. And so I think even just being conscious of that and being like, look, like, you know, go back to parenting, right? Like I'm going to mess up. <laughs> like, Let's just set that right now. Let's just put that bar there. I'm going to mess up. I am messing up every day. Um, Do what I intend, not even do what I say, not as I do, like do what I magically intend for you to to hear me communicate and and magically, um, you know, receive that. Um, It's, I think that as a ground rule of like understanding that about yourself as a leader is huge and, and and then once we have that authentic realization of, of who we are as humans, like we are, you know, I don't care what leader you are, you're a human and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to make missteps and you're going to hold back when you should have leaned in, you're going to lean in when you should have held back. And, um, you know, all you can do is just be human. And, and if at the end of the day, the people around you, your kids, your family, your friends, absolutely your team. If they know your intention and that your heart's in the right place, I think that is, that's a big, 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 big first step. It's trust, right? That's, that's trust. Right. And I think what you're saying to kind of take from the conversation we've had about an individual leader, now extrapolating that same idea and principle to an organization. So like trusting a leader is a human um, relationship building activity. So a team of people connecting with a leader and trust building over time in that leader and in each other to be a more effective team. Like what we're saying there, I think uh, pretty straightforward, but when we talk about, okay, now trust in a brand or trust in an organization is similar but a little bit different and you know what I'm seeing you do on LinkedIn and in marketing you're talking a lot about how do organizations create trust through the messages they share the images they portray the the attitude that they have and um, I think it's important to you know, focus on as part of this improvement nerd thing I'm trying to do is say that's an important piece of the puzzle. So like when you're leading a team through change, you have you have to realize that you are a leader, has the project manager or the black belt or the change agent, insert whatever 
name you use to talk about someone who facilitates others, you are a leader and they're looking to you and they will follow your lead. And sometimes that could be to, to better places and other times it could be off the cliff. So I think, you know, that's pretty intuitive, but when you're trying to magnify that to say, well, this isn't just about this team or this change initiative, but this is about us as an organization and everything we're trying to do and what we're trying to do through you. So the relationship we have with you has our employees, but also who we're trying to do this for. So the relationship we have to our customers, that's a little bit bigger picture than just trying to make a single project successful. It's more, how do we make everyone in this organization successful and better positioned to serve our customers so that they get a good experience with us um, and, and, uh, and trust as a result. And we create trust as a result. So can you talk, Mm -hmm. that's kind of why I brought you on is let's nerd out about that piece (laughs) picture of trust building and communication and and branding and marketing has an organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, it's such a great segue because we've, you and I just spent, you know, however long we've been talking so far talking about humanness, right? We've talked about our kids. We've talked about our lives. We've talked about making the leap from, you know, a, a, a security, the security or at least perceived security of a, you know, stereotypical job to going out into fueling that entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurial fire. Um, those, that was a very human conversation we just had. Right. And we, we talked a lot about trust and how that's, that's the foundation of relationship is being open with each other, being real with each other, being authentic with each other. And that's humans crave that human that's, that's connection, that's relationship. And somehow when we think about brands, that's not the path that so often we go, we go to, that we pursue we think, um, how can we measure it? What are we going to, um, how are we going to create leads and conversions and opportunities and, 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 and yes, I'm, believe me, I am a business leader, revenue, cash, conversions, business, contracts, all that stuff is, it, that is the business, but where does it all start, right? Where does it begin? Think about the brands that you really, really love to buy from whether that's as a person for things for your home, for your family, or that's, you know, if you buy on behalf of your brand, if you're buying on behalf of your business, what brands do you really like to work with? Think about why. I guarantee you there is a human connection there, whether it is, you know, you're talking to the representative there and you just really, really like Bob or Sue or whoever it is, that's a human connection. And, you know, that's part of the brand perception that you get from that company, or perhaps it actually is the bigger picture brand and what they have worked so hard to, how they've worked so hard to represent themselves. And so often when you zoom out from that as a marketer or as a business leader, it's easy to get caught up in all of the numbers and how are we going to measure it and jump to you know, conversions and how are we going to convert, you know, generate traffic and convert it to customers. Um, Yes, that is part of the equation, but you're missing this step of connection. And those brands that seek first to connect, I'm not saying seek only to connect because then there is no business, (laughs) but those that seek first to establish a real authentic trustworthy, real human level connection with their audience and they know you and they, they understand what makes you tick and, and they're serving you. Those are the brands that earn your conversion and that earn your loyalty and earn your repeat business. And so that's, you can probably tell that's what I'm so passionate about. And I think, you know, where Casted fits into it is how can we serve serve those brands in giving them another way to connect with their audiences and to build everything, build their entire, you know, integrated fancy marketing words, integrated marketing strategy or content marketing plan all around those authentic conversations. Um, 
that's that's what I'm excited about. And I think that that's, that's something that a lot more brands really are starting to think about and are, are really starting to lean into, which is great. I love kind of how you um, shared how all of this adds up to a cumulative effect. It's, it's, it's a trust. Um, I don't know what book it was that I was reading, but it was a mother talking to their child about friendship and how friendship grew over time. There was a jar with marbles in it. Oh, it, it was it, our BFF Brene. Okay. The marble, the marble jar. Yeah. So she was, you know, she was talking about like, it's, you have to contribute to it and you have mm-hmm. to do good deeds continually and regularly so that, you know, the individual trust over time, instead of like this one major catalytic event where trust just instantaneously happened, like it's not reality. Like trust doesn't occur at the snap of the fingers. So at least there are some people out there in the world who like the speed of trust is very rapid and they're very giving of it, but they're kind of like the purple duck or the unicorn type people for mm-hmm. Well, trust is built over time with consistency and regularity and everything you were saying is like, it's a journey, right? It's Mm -hmm. compounding and accumulative um, effect of everything you do to show that you are trustworthy as an organization. Right. And uh, there's that saying too, that's in the history of people telling you to calm down never has it ever worked for you to calm down when somebody tells you to calm down, right? Same thing for trust. Like in the, in the history of telling, of, of people saying, trust me, never ever has the word, you have the words, trust me, led someone to trusting you, right? You, you cannot earn trust by saying, trust me, right? And um, I think that a lot of us experienced that with this whole COVID-19, right? Um, there were a lot of brands that, you know, just, maintain status quo, which is great. There were a lot of brands that really just showed up as tone deaf and they were like, in this unprecedented time, we want to serve you. And it was just, it was them going out there and standing on a mountaintop and saying, trust me, <laughs> you know, I'm going to create a human connection with you now. And that just doesn't work. Um, in fact, it does the opposite of working, right? Then there are the brands who were just authentic you know, some of them just said, Hey, we don't know what to say right now, but, but we're here. And, you know, depending on what they, what they service or product they provide, they, they either had an angle or they didn't, and maybe they were honest about not having an angle and they just did something else, but it's that earned over time, taking the time to understand your audience. And this, yes, this absolutely applies to marketers and to brands, but it applies to leaders too. You can't, you can't show up to your team and say, trust me, uh, and have them also say, oh, okay, yeah, I trust you. It's, it's earned over time. It's being authentic and humble and real and, um, you know, saying, I, I don't know what to say right now. Or I don't know what to do right now, or this is what, I'm, what we're going to do. And I feel pretty good about it because X, Y, and Z. It's trust is built brick by brick over time. Do you have any, like, wow, that was awesome type things you've seen occurred through your partnerships at Casted or just with your marketing eye, it, it could be during, you know, the current events of the coronavirus and COVID-19 or leading up to it, or even maybe looking into the crystal ball, the things you imagine might happen afterwards. So like any like, wow, what they just did there was awesome. Or like, oh man, I hope someone does mm-hmm. this sometime soon. So yeah. Anything? Yeah. I mean, I think if there's, and, and of course this is, I should have come prepared with like an example, but I, I think, you know, I've seen a lot of companies, a lot of the customers that we've worked with have pivoted their, their shows to say, Hey, look, you know, what we were talking about before doesn't quite feel as important right now. So we were pivoting our show a little bit and we think that this would be interesting to you instead. And then, but staying true to who their audience is, it's not just like, well, everyone else is talking, talking to, you know, health experts or, you know, this or that, like, so we're going to do that too. It's like, okay, we know you as our audience, we've taken the time to invest in this relationship, just like your best friend would, you know, your best friend wouldn't jump on the same bad wagon and be like, I think this is what all best friends are doing right now. So this is what I'm going to do. It's like, I know you, and I think you need this right now. And so I've seen some great examples of that. Um, 
of, you know, we're going to stop doing X so that we can do Y because it's right. It's what's right for our audience. Um, and I hope as far as moving forward, I hope that we see even more of that, that there's a lot less, this is what we should do to this, because it's, you know, death by a thousand shoulds, right? It's like, well, we should do this. We should go to this event. We should invest in this. Instead, it's like, what does our, what does our audience want? Like, how can we best serve our audience? What would, what would lead to increased connection between us and the people on the other side of this equation? Um, and that looks a little bit different for everybody, but I think just, I think this forced us all to ask that question more. And I, I hope that we continue to like, how can I best serve the other side of this equation? And yep, again, that's, that's brands with their audiences. And that is absolutely leaders with their teams. Um, everybody's talking about remote work. Um, that's not what is best for everyone. That is absolutely what is best for some, but I really hope that, um, a lot of leaders don't just go to remote work because that's what everybody else is doing. Like ask your team um, in the way that makes sense for your company. I mean, there's, there are some companies that have 10 people. There's some companies that have 10,000 people. That's going to be very different for everybody, but just, I really hope that this time in our literally in quarantine with, um, with our families and at home um, has really forced us to reprioritize and to help others in continuing to serve their priorities as we move forward. I think that was one of the things in our prep session that we kind of talked about is this, that, that there's trends and there's um, distractions or shiny objects that are out there that cause organizations to kind of just repeat or replicate what they've seen other organizations do and it comes out mute or unauthentic. And I think what you're saying here is, you know, truly get to know who you serve and how, how you serve them, but mostly the way in which they form a stronger relationship with you. So what is behind the scenes motivating them to seek your services or motivating mm -hmm. them to share their experiences with others? Go past the transaction of, hey, you're my customer and we do business together. There's that transactional thing to why, why are you my customer? Well, you know, what is it that motivates you to have come to us in the first place and to stay with us? And, and return to that part and speak to that element of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, everyone wants a silver bullet, a, a, a magic pill, a, a hack, <laughs> a shortcut to whatever it is you're doing, um, to legendary leadership, to, um, becoming an iconic brand to successful marketing, but the, the answer almost always is in investing the time and energy to know your audience. And, and sometimes your audience is a team internally. Sometimes it's actual buyers. Um, sometimes, sometimes it's a board. Sometimes it's investors. I mean, whatever it is, the more you know them, the, the more you can serve them. And that's, that is the answer always. Um, and then you, and then actually the beauty of it is that once you know them really, really well, then you can make really fast decisions, um, that are right for your audience. And, and you don't even have to think about what are other people doing because you already know, again, like you think, think about your best friend. You don't have to go when you, when your best friend is needs you, whether it's for, for something good or because they're going through something hard, you don't go survey all the best friends in the world and see what all the other best friends are doing. You don't go look at best practices of best friends. You know, your best friend so well you just show up and you just have a bunch of ideas because you know them. And, you know, same thing. Like if we can know the people that we are serving audiences, teams, whatever it may be, our family, um, you can simply show up and be authentically yourself and serve them. That's, that's the, that's the answer. And it's flexible too, right there. Having that, basic understanding of who each other is allows you that freedom to experiment and take risk because mm -hmm. that these relationships aren't 
static, but they're evolving and they're maturing and people over time um, do have things within within their needs that change that require organizations to change how they satisfy those needs. So it's, it's ongoing. And I think, you know, the risk of what worked in the past, not working in the future, it, it's not like overnight, unless a pandemic happens, like, okay, some things that used to work don't work anymore. And we have to have that awareness. But in a sense, when loyalty exists and trust, trust is present, you know, the rate of change, it's not vol- has volatile, so you're not constantly changing just to keep mm-hmm. up, but you're changing to stay ahead, I think, in, in mm-hmm. some ways. And change is experimentation. It's trying something, creating a message or crafting uh, an image or a vision and sharing it and being open to feedback and then calibrating and then resharing it and calibrating and resharing it. And it's like this evolution. and. I think in marketing, a lot of people perceive it to be like this crystal ball, all eggs in one basket. It's this message um, developed into Petri dish and sent out. And once it's out there, it can never be changed. And I think marketing has evolved to where that's no longer true. It's more of an ongoing learning experiment more than it has been in the past. How are you seeing maybe how marketing has evolved even before COVID-19? That's a, that's a really good question because there's a balance there in, in what you what you just laid out um, between consistent brand messaging. Because you, you on one hand, you certainly don't want to be all over the place and say, you know, we are X and that's your, you know, your line in the sand and your stake in the ground and this is, this is who we are. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later be like, and also this, right? You don't want, you need to be consistent and you need to be, um, you need to know, just like you need to know who your audience is, you need to know who you are. Um, and you need to have that uh, structure, that heartbeat, that um, that central nerve system of, of your own, your messaging and, and who you are and what you do and why people should trust you and value proposition and that, that core, right? And that does evolve over time, but that's something that you revisit yearly, you know, or that kind of small tweaks here and there um, every once in a while. That's not something that changes all the time. But that's one of the beautiful things about content and what you and I are doing right now in podcasting is that you you can speak to um, things that are more current. You can speak to more topical, um, more topic-related things. And um, different individuals in the company can really share their voice, literally. Um, And so as long as every conversation, whether it's, it's, you know, every conversation with with one person um, and with many people throughout the, the, the organization, if they're all, you know, kind of picture holding on to like a raft and I'm making up this as I go along. So we'll see if this, this analogy holds true, but you know, you're, you're floating in a lake and you're like in a pool and you're all holding on to a raft, right? That raft is your central messaging, but you're all holding on to it and you can kind of, you can speak to it and you can come, you can always come back to it. And that's, that's the foundation, but you can kind of all float from it from a different angle, if that makes sense. And like you and I are speaking now and we're not talking about you know, how to ring out your podcast and to get as much value out of it as possible, which is, you know, the, the meat and the meat and potatoes of what Casted does. But really the, the foundation there and, and the, the life raft is authentic conversation and connection. And so that's what you and I are talking about. And if you were talking to, you know, somebody else in the company, they might be talking about, you know, sales through authentic conversation or, you know, the importance of connecting with customers and product development and, you know, how designing for, for your audience is so much more effective if you really, really know your audience. And like all of this really is because you have a touchstone around what is important. And then modern marketing, you know, to answer your question, gives us all many, 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 many opportunities to keep coming back to that touchstone, but with new perspectives and interesting ideas and different ways to look at that touchstone. And that's so 
cool. And that's so, that's so much more fun than it ever was before because it, it's just, it's so much more interesting. And again, it creates a lot more opportunities to build trust and to um, increase engagement with your audience because you're just providing, you're providing more value and more interesting things for people to uh, get involved with your brand around. I think that idea of continuity and a touchstone of what you do as an organization is a great centerpiece. And I think in our planning, you know, you talked about traditionally marketing has been outbound. That's the organization communicating to their customers almost in a one-way like fashion. Now that's evolved. It's more two-way. There's a lot of dialogue between customers and organizations and organizations rely on that feedback to change their messaging or to adapt and offer new products and services. So I think that's great to see. But now more so we're seeing the employees because they have that touchstone now, they're able to act as an ambassador. And that was another recent post I saw um, you you share through social media is imagine a world in which everyone in your organization was able to serve your brand as an ambassador and someone that, you know, is capable of creating trust between the organization and whoever that 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 employee is coming in contact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's again, um, I think the one that spurred that post that you're talking about was I, I saw a post as any one of us could at this very moment, opening any social media feed about how, you know, how to hack marketing and tips to just make something to formulatize it and to, to, you know, simple steps and the fast way to get what you're, you know, get to the bottom line. It's, and it just, I I'd had enough at that very moment. I was like, and eh, I'm done because it's like, no, I mean, no, your, your, your audience can see that they can feel that. And what if instead of, you know, again, seeking first to convert and like hacking your way to a conversion. That sounds like you're like, it sounds like a horror story. Like that doesn't sound like, like a a trust building opportunity to establish and and nurture and grow a relationship with an individual that has, you know, the, the ability to invest in, um, purchasing from your company, but hacking your way to a conversion. I mean, that's, come on, like, what if instead we we really did, especially as leaders, right? Because the reason uh, there's a there's a saying I, I heard Tim Cop saying it, but he always says like somebody else said it first, which is you know show me what you measure and I'll show you how I behave. And when we as leaders continuously tell our people that, uh, especially in marketing, like conversion is it, like. I don't care how much traffic you can, you can generate. I don't care how much, how many leads you, you generate. I don't care how many connections you make or how much brand. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care how much intangible you generate. What matters to me is conversion above all, all costs. That's, that's what you're going to get. And instead, if we as leaders in the way that makes sense for your business said, I care that you are establishing trusting, meaningful, rich relationships with our massive audience and that you're growing that audience and that you're generating, you know, raving fans about our brand. Um, how would that be different? And that's a real question because it's different for everybody because again, there is no hack. There is no one size fits all solution for how to establish connections. I mean, go think about it, go get to know your audience and invest the time. And like, I'm not saying don't think about conversions and don't measure things. Absolutely not. We all need to. I'm a CEO of a company. We do too. But what if, like, just ask yourself, what if, like, what if you, you gave your people the, the, the blessing, the power, the authority, the enablement, whatever it is for your team to go and establish connections and then get creative about how to earn that conversion opportunity. Um, what would that do? And what would that do long-term? It's long game, but what would that do for your brand? It'd be game-changing, you know, Mm -hmm. like in, in my career, I spent a lot of time in, in the healthcare and obviously that industry is serving 
individuals in large part who don't want to be consuming healthcare. Like uh, an event has happened of illness, you know, if they're, if they're welcoming a baby, a baby, you know, that's probably like the brightest spot of consuming healthcare, but in large part, like they don't want to be there. And, you know, you as an employee of that organization, you have this opportunity to share compassion and to authentically care for that person in a point in their life where they're facing dire straits. And, you know, sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't because the nurse or the tech or the environmental services caregiver, whoever is front and center at that point, doesn't know what the touchstone is or is burdened by process or is disconnected or whatever. There's just so much noise surrounding it. You know, we're letting that person down. And when it came to leading teams through change, so trying to improve all those processes that surrounded that event, I realized that we can't just focus on make these processes work better we need to focus on allowing that person to be more present and to know why they are there. Like, okay, yes, your role is to uh, play a, a role in reducing infection, the risk of infection by keeping the room clean. That That's what we ask you to do. But beyond that, you're a human entering someone else's life at a point to where they're afraid and scared. And if all you do is go in there to clean that room and you see that they're cold and you don't offer them a blanket, you didn't, you didn't do what could have been done to uh, extend care, which is what healthcare is all about. So Mm -hmm. you can't just say, well, let's fix these broken processes. We have to allow people to have the space to make those connections in addition to have reliable processes or consistent messaging or whatever business that is, in all reality, it's simply one person serving another, whether through a product or a service or a conversation, you know, we got to, for me, I think it's really important that we got to keep that top of mind and whatever we try to do as a business, it's, it's always about how can we better serve. Absolutely. And that's such a great example that you just gave, because imagine if in, you know, that story that you just told, if that person that went in that room to clean, to clean it, if they were measured beyond all else on how many rooms they could clean per hour, beyond anything else, they wouldn't even be looking for opportunities to serve. Like you said, they, they would be completely abandoning their why. They wouldn't it would, it would be dehumanizing the situation. And one could argue there's nothing wrong with that. They're there to clean. And yep, the more, the more rooms that are cleaned, the better, because there are more patients that are going to be healthy. Sure. Like, again, you could make an argument that that's perfectly fine. But if they know their why and they take that extra one second, even just say, hey, you look cold. Can I get someone else to get a blanket for you? Whatever it is. I mean, like that's, that is a game changer. And that's how loyalty is built. And that ha- that's how brand affinity is built. And all of those other marketing terms and leadership terms that we like to stand behind, that's how it happens. Not because we tell people, hey, you should be loyal to our brand because here's this deal. Or, hey, you should uh, you know, be a repeat customer because here's this deal or because we're essentially telling you to. It's because you want to. It's because we connected with you on a human level. That's exactly why I reached out to you and wanted to have you on this episode is because I think individuals who have a project management background or a change management background, like, you know, my, my trajectory to get to where I am leading organizations through change, like was very scientific. I learned a lot of tools and I understood a lot of theories and I was really good with data and numbers and creating a business case and capturing value. So you know, and I, I met a lot of other improvement experts who were technically very savvy, but when it came to making connections and relating and practicing empathy, like, oh gosh, those skills were like null and void for me. And it's taken a lot of awareness and a lot of hard work on my part to say, hey, that's probably more important than any other skill that I have. My ability to charter a project and establish a good scope and manage the project to budget. If, if I did all those things and I didn't take everyone who was on that team 
and help connect them to purpose, I failed, mm-hmm. right? Because all we did was meet the deliverables and we didn't bring anyone along the way to help them be better positioned to create future success. So all we did was short-term effort with the short-term gains versus creating the environment for future success in which everyone was more connected to purpose, more empowered, and more understanding of how they can give. And to me, that was kind of a pivotal point in my career was I had to learn those skills. And it was about the brand that I was representing. And, you know, within healthcare, a project manager, Lean Six Sigma can be somewhat negatively viewed because the it's oftentimes used for cost cutting or to reduce labor. Um, so that's oftentimes people coming in to take things away. So it's like, man, how do I create this new brand around improvement that it's more life-giving and people building mm-hmm. than coming in and cutting and removing? Yeah. Well, I, I think it doesn't, it's not either or it's also, and right. I mean, I'm, I get you. I am, I'm, I'm the CEO and and founder of a startup of a venture backed, you know, rapidly growing company and every penny that is um, spent, invested, um, expensed somewhere, allocated is precious. Right. And um, so I'm looking for efficiencies. I mean, I, I totally understand. And, and as that scales and as you're leading a company of, you know, hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, I, I get it. I totally understand. But, um, but how about it's not, it's not also, it's not either or it's not be, let's be human or let's be efficient. It's what if you applied the, 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 the brilliant genius of that is six sigma and efficiencies and you know constant continuous improvement with okay we know the most efficient way to do this it is right here in this plan in front of us and then let's sprinkle on this layer of how to be you know how to be human right and yeah it'll make us for this i don't know 50 percent increase in efficiency that we just found, this is going to reduce that down to, you know, it'll be 45% more efficient instead, but it's still an improvement. You know, like what if, what if those two started to work hand in hand and to really um, look for opportunities to be more efficient and more human uh, simultaneously? And I think that is a great way to think about organizations growing, maturing, and evolving and continuously getting better is it's never one thing. There's not this, like you said, there's no silver bullet. It's a, a combined effect of everything occurring with that organization, all working harmonistically to better put people in, in places to serve someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's through your, gosh, I've had people on who talked about human resources and human capital So that's part of the equation is hiring the right people and developing them and encouraging them necessary. Communicating and creating a strong brand and communicating your organization values and cultures and role modeling those things through your leadership. So that's part of it too. Mapping your processes and making sure they're reliable and that you're measuring them routinely and that they're getting the results that you want. That that's part of like, you know, the, it's improvement and helping organizations get better at getting better is a lot of different levers that all have to be orchestrated and pulled in order to take an organization from where it is right now to where it can go next. And I think mm-hmm. oftentimes missing in an organization's improvement journey is this brand ambassadorship idea. And, you know, that I think everything you talked about really helps to bring that into the fold now and say, let's not just go in and make projects successful. Let's make people successful. And through successful people, we can create more trust and better serve customers, which will make for an organization to be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- yeah, exactly. Th- thank you for, for coming on to the episode and sharing your passion for, for marketing and for sharing your journey has a parent and has a business owner 
and just being real with us. I've enjoyed the conversation and I think the improvement nerds who listen in to this, as I said at the start, they're likely to have loved you just because the energy and the attitude that you'd bring to everything you do, very relatable. So individuals who do want to follow your journey and learn more about what you're up to, how, how do they go about following your journey and getting connected? Sure. Um, thank you so much for having me. This was super, super fun. And I'm a really big nerd. So you had me at nerd. Um, I think the, the best way it would be to visit casted.us. That's where you can find our website, C-A-S-T-E-D.us. Um, on Twitter, you can find me at casted Lindsay, C-A-S-T-E-D-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. Um, and LinkedIn, I'm really active on LinkedIn. If you can find a way to spell my last name, um, you can just search for me there. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm always excited to connect with more people. Awesome. I can't thank you enough for coming on to the episode and nerding out with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes.